Good morning, everyone. And good morning to those who are online as well. Um, if you want more information than the, what we have on these handouts, you can scan this here, and it'll take you to the, all the church information that we have, uh, our newsletter. And if you don't know how to scan this, I bet you can find somebody in here that can show you how to do it. Um, the children's ministry has March Madness going on all month long, so you want to be a part of that. Um, we're currently collecting candy for the Easter egg hunt. Uh, they're asking for no chocolate because it'll melt. Uh, the egg hunt will be April the 8th. The youth group this Wednesday is going to meet here at 5.30. And Pastor Sam's actually driving us to Southside Methodist this Wednesday. We're going to have a blast. So, and if you're not in youth group but you want to like skip here this Wednesday and go to Southside, come with us. It's fine. Um, Robbie's of Fayette is having a clothing sale March 16th from 10 to 3, and that benefits our children's ministry. Um, March 13th, the United Methodist Women is having their luncheon at noon. If you have never been to a United Methodist Women's luncheon, this is the one to go to. Gail Hyatt is the lay leader for the Mountain Lakes District, and you want to you wanna go to that one. And I would say it's safe to say, I bet they would even let some men come to lunch if you signed up to that one, because it's going to be a good one. Um, I want to say a big uh, thank you to our missions team for the Stripland AB honor roll. Let's just give a clap for our missions team. They do an awesome job helping over at the school. So helping those kids get good grades and encourage them. Um, and that's all the announcements I have this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Loving God, we are so thankful to be able to worship together this morning. We pray that you will calm our hearts and our minds and help us focus on you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.
Please remain standing and join us in the affirmation of faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. seated. Well, it's great to see y'all. It's great, it's great to see anybody. I didn't even get out of the house for a couple of weeks, and uh, I want to thank you personally for your prayers and your love and support. I had several people sending me messages, and it's, it's really good. Uh, hello to all of you who are live streaming, because I, I, I know what it feels like to be on the other side now and to, and to have to watch worship from uh, when you really don't feel like getting out. And so, uh, so thank you for all your support. Uh, speaking of support, that was a nice little segue. Speaking of support, thank you for supporting your church and for the ministries like the one that our guest speaker is going to be telling us about. Um, these ministries here in Gadsden and uh, in the missions that we, that we serve and support uh, around North Alabama and around the world can't happen uh, without your generosity without you giving your time and your talents and your gifts so thank you for that and I want to remind you that there are many many ways that you can give you can uh, give by volunteering you can give um, when the plate comes by you can give online download our church app if you haven't already done that that's a great way to stay connected and to give if you'll take a moment at some point during the service and uh, fill out the attendance registration pad, pass it along so that others can do the same. That's a way that we keep connected with you, and it lets us know uh, any changes that you might have. Right now, will you join me as we pray together? Gracious God, every good and perfect gift comes from your hand, and we are so thankful. And one of our responses to all the ways that you bless us is to try to be a blessing to others. So God, stir in us uh, the fires of compassion so that we can give generously so that we can receive the blessing that comes from being a blessing we offer all of these things to you in the name of Christ our Lord Amen
Please be seated. This is our time of prayer, and I want to remind you, uh, I know what it's like to be on the receiving end of those prayers, so thank you again for that. And I know what it's like to, to have a, a need for somebody you love or somebody that you know or, or just, just something that's on your heart from, uh, it could be on the other side of the world. So bring your needs before the Lord and write your needs and share them. Our, our prayer team ministry uh, would, would love to pray with you. You can, you can send an email to us, fumc at fumcgadson.org. You can write something in the comments if you want to, fill out a prayer card. Just grab Pastor Andy or myself by the sleeve and say, hey, could you, pr could you pray for us? And we're glad to do that. If you have a, a praise report, we love hearing those too. I, I love it when somebody comes up and tells me about an answer to prayer. And so share that with us so that we can rejoice with those who are rejoicing and, and grieve with those that are grieving. We want to we experience all that together with you. Prayer is powerful. And let's pray together right now. Dear Lord, we gather together today and we just come as we are. And some days it, it feels good and we feel good and we are, we're hopeful and we're joyful. But some days we, we kind of limp into Zion and, and we feel like uh, we're, we're just here, you know. Some days we really, really need uh, a touch from you. And Lord, touch us now by your Holy Spirit, by the beautiful music, by the powerful message by scripture, by our creeds, by our liturgy. Touch us in the deepest part of us. Inspire us, Lord, to walk again another day and not to get weary in well-doing. Lord, heal the places in our hearts that are broken today. Uh, hear our prayers, hear our needs that we lift up to you for, for those that we love. Hear our cries, Lord, for our own needs. Teach us even now to pray the prayer that you taught your disciples when you said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Catherine's going to take our kids for something special in Children's Church right now. So if you want to join them, um, then I know you're going to have fun if you go to Children's Church. Over here to your right and to my left, here we go. All right. For the rest of us, we're going to stand together and sing Pastor Sam's favorite hymn, number 140. Let's stand together.
our uh, music at Gadsden First United Methodist Church is the bee's knees. I'm telling you, I just, I don't know what to say. Um, I have the honor of uh, introducing somebody to you, our guest speaker today, uh, Reverend Garrett Harper. And um, before I do that, and before I read the scripture today, I, I want to just, please indulge me, is I just kind of reminisce a little bit. The closer I get to retirement, the more I kind of think back. And it seems like yesterday, but it's been 33 years ago, when Bishop Lloyd Knox placed his hand on my hair that didn't have very many gray hairs in it at that time and said, uh, take thou authority to preach the word. And I can't tell you how filled with excitement and, and hope and love for the United Methodist Church that I was as a young pastor. Um, so how do I feel now as I'm getting ready to uh, retire? I feel excited. I feel filled with hope. And I feel filled with love for the United Methodist Church. And I want to tell you why. After all that we've been through, all of the many dangers, toils, and snares that we've been through over the last few years. People like Garrett Harper, Andy Arnell, um, all of the, the young ministers that I get to interview on the Board of Ordained Ministry when I see that these people that are coming up into the church are full of passion and, and full of the call and the, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I think, wow, our future is bright, bright. We just have to embrace it, y'all. We just have to embrace it. Okay, I'm done. You know, I haven't gotten to preach in a long time, and I just about got started there. All right, Matthew chapter 25. Our speaker today, by the way, is Reverend Garrett Harper. He is uh, executive director of Urban Ministries. If you went to the Sunday school class upstairs in between, you got to hear him say a lot more about his heart for ministry with the poor. And, uh, and oh my goodness, I, I, can't, I can't wait for you to hear what he has to say today. Um, he is deeply connected to Gadsden First United Methodist Church. This may be the first time you've been back, Gary, since you sang at Mary Lee Harden's funeral. He and his wife, Caitlin, sang um, a song at Mary Lee's because uh, Garrett was one of the recipients of uh, the Hardin Scholarship. That's one of the ways he was able to go to uh, seminary. And so you're going to see some of the fruit of, of what their generosity is when he comes to speak for us. Matthew chapter 25, if you want to follow along on the screen or if you want to pull a pew Bible out or your Bible app on your phone. Starting with verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his throne of glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, come you that are blessed by my father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, 
When was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left hand, you that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me naked and you did not give me clothing sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? And then he will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
died. the official religion of the Roman Empire, the very empire that crucified Christ. In the fourth century, churches moved from meeting in humble homes with widows, orphans, and strangers into the grandest cathedrals, the most expensive buildings on the face of the earth. It makes sense that we forget that Jesus was poor. Now, our pictures of him over here, they don't help us very much, right? Just If you close your eyes and you think of what Jesus looks like, go on, close your eyes with me, just bring his face to your mind. Well, he doesn't look very poor. He had time to take a shower. I think he used shampoo and conditioning. He's got nicely combed brown hair. He had time to trim his beard. He doesn't look dirty. He doesn't look poor. Man, he even had time to give that little lamb in his arms a bath. He doesn't look poor. Apparently, my wife was the star of the show at every children's moment when she was a toddler. She started talking early, and every time the pastor had a question, she had a great answer that the entire church, except for her mother, loved. One day, the pastor called the kids down to the step, and they sat down, and he started telling the kids about the second coming of Christ. And he said, now, kids, listen. When Jesus returns for the second time, we won't know what he's going to look like, so you should love everyone you meet as if they were Christ. Well, right when he finished, Caitlin, my wife, her hand shot up, and he said, yes, Caitlin, well, she stood up all three feet tall, and she said, well, pastor, I will know what he'll look like. And he said, you will. And she marched over to the wall and said, we have a picture of him right here. Come on. It makes sense that we forget that Jesus was poor. Now, apparently, some people think that I come close to their mind's eye image of Jesus. In high school, I used to deliver pizza for Papa John's. One day, I got the pizzas in the truck, drove up to a house, walked up to the door, knocked on the door. A young woman opened the door. She looked deeply into my eyes. She turned around and said, kids, come quick. Jesus Christ is delivering our pizza. <laughs> they came running to the door. It was a little bit of an awkward moment. I pulled the pizzas out of the bag, lifted up the box, and said, Children, man does not live by pizza alone. And I handed her the boxes. She handed me a wad of cash. And I walked out thinking, Score, this is going to be a great tip. Well, I walked in, uh, back to the truck, got in the driver's seat, started counting that money, and you wouldn't believe it. A self-proclaimed Christian only tipping Jesus Christ a lousy $2. The guys illegally gambling across the street in the hotel room, they gave me a $10 bill off the top of the pile. I'll take center tips over believer tips any day. That's just pizza boy's opinion. It makes sense that we forget that Jesus was poor. Because as followers of Christ, we strive to imitate him. But sometimes in our attempts to be like Jesus, we accidentally just make him look like us. But despite our beautiful churches, our well-groomed images of Jesus, 
The Gospels remind us time and time again who Jesus was in flesh. Jesus was poor. He was not a homeowner. He was not a businessman. He was not even a citizen of the country that he lived. Jesus was poor. Our scripture today reminds us of this truth. It comes from the 25th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus tells a parable. He says that when the Son of Man comes in all of his glory, he will gather all the people of all nations and separate them as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. For all of you who chose to sit on the left side of the sanctuary, I'm sorry. If you want to sneak over to the right side, please do so quietly. He turns to those sheep at his right, and he says, man, y'all are good folks. You will be blessed. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because when I was thirsty, you shared a cup with me. And when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you gave me clothes. When I was sick, you, you nurtured me back to health. When I was in prison, when I was behind bars, you showed up week after week. You visited me. Thank you. But the sheep were confused. They, they kind of scratched their heads and they said, Jesus, what are you talking about? When did we, when did we feed you? When did we visit you? He said, oh. Whenever you did it for the least of these in my family, you were doing it to me. Then he turned to those goats over on his left, and he said, you, you are wicked. When I was thirsty and hungry, you turned up your nose. When I was sick, you wouldn't even make eye contact with me. When I had no clothes, you walked away. When I was in prison, you didn't care. Every step of the way, you neglected me. The goats were just as confused. They scratched their heads and they said, but Jesus, what are you talking about? We would never neglect you. And he said, oh, you see, whenever you did it to the least of these in my family, you were doing it to me. Jesus makes his point loud and clear. We are called to love people living in poverty. And when we do, we are loving Christ. It's perhaps the clearest parable, the clearest moral of any parable that Jesus tells. The message is just so straightforward. When we love the poor, we are loving Christ. Now, th this is unusual for parables. Most parables have a twist and a turn or a trap door or a thousand different interpretations. You know, most, most parables leave the disciples scratching their heads, totally confused. But this one is so clear. Now, some scholars argue that the definition of parable requires confusion. Therefore, it cannot be called the parable of the sheep and the goats. It has to be called the story of the sheep and the goats. It's just not confusing enough to fit the genre. While I agree that the message is clear, there is a twist. There is a trap door. There's one thing about this parable that had me tripped up for years. I just, I just couldn't figure it out. 
You see, you and I have heard the parable of the sheep and the goats, so we know the punchline. We know the moral. When we love people in poverty, we are loving Christ. But the people in the parable did not have the story to tell them the lesson, which raises the question, why did the sheep do the right thing? Why did the sheep love Christ even though they didn't know it was him? For years, I directed Senior High 2 at Camp Sumatanga. It's just right down the road, Chandler Mountain, Steel Gallant area. If you've been to camp before, there's a, a rustic building called the Assembly Hall that has no air conditioning and no heat. In the summer, all the windows are open, and it has a stage. One year, we were directing camp, and the theme that year was love your neighbor as yourself. That year, the campers put on a skit that I will never forget. They named the skit Calling a Realtor, and it goes like this. A young girl comes in from this side of the stage. She has a telephone in her hand. And she says, hi, is this 1-800-BUY-A-HOUSE-FOR-SUPER-CRAZY-CHEAP-AT-OMG.ORG? Yes, I'm looking to buy a house. I'm at Camp Sumatonga this week, and we're learning about loving our neighbors. And I got to thinking, it would be so much easier to love Christ if no one in my neighborhood had any major needs. You know, like a middle, upper-class neighborhood. <laughs> no, I don't mind sharing some flour every now and then, just nothing serious. You can help me? Oh, thank God, thank you for helping me follow Christ. She hangs up the phone, she walks off stage. A boy comes in from this side, he's got a phone in his hand. He says, hi, is this 1-800-BUY-A-HOUSE-FOR-SUPER-CRAZY-CHEAP at OMG.ORG? Oh, good, it is? Hey, I'm at Camp Simatonga this week. We're learning about loving our neighbor. And this morning, our morning watch came from Isaiah. And it said, the house of God will be a house of prayer for all people. And I got to thinking, it would be so much easier for me to love my neighbor as myself if all the people in my neighborhood looked like me and had the same interest as me. He said, actually, he pulled a piece of paper out of his pocket, unraveled, he said, I got a list right here. I like football and basketball, but not baseball. I like pineapple pizza. I'm not a huge fan of tennis, but it's okay. I like video games. You know what, if I just send you this list, could you find me a neighborhood with people who are like me, all the people like me? You can, I didn't know it, but this place is a ministry, thank you hangs up the phone and walks off stage. The last camper comes in, and she's not as upbeat as the first two. She's got a phone in her hand. She got her head down, and she says, Hi, is this 1-800-BUY-A-HOUSE-FOR-SUPER-CRAZY-CHEAP at omg.org? <sighs> yeah, I'm, we're, we're looking for a house. No, it, it's not for me. It's, it's for my neighbor. You see, we live in this low-income neighborhood, and her gas got shut off. She was trying to heat with propane, but they knocked it over on accident. Whole house went up in flames. Oh, she's staying with us. Yeah, it's really hard. It's really hard. 
do you have any houses on our block or close to, close to this place that we can buy? Oh, no, no, I know about the failing schools. Yeah, I know about the crime. I've been here a long time. No, we want her here. We, we got to look out for her. You, you let me know if anything comes up. Oh, thank you. We're at Camp Simatonga this week learning about loving our neighbors as ourselves. Oh, God, following Jesus is so hard. She hangs up the phone. She walks off the stage. The campers in the skit with the most brilliant summary of the parable of the Good Samaritan that I've ever heard. It goes like this. A lawyer asks Jesus, who is my neighbor? To which Jesus responds, no one who can afford to live in your neighborhood. It was a holy moment at Camp Simatonga. The top of the assembly hall split open. A seraph swooped down, picked up a hot coal from the fire, touched each of these campers' lips. They spoke a prophetic truth that you and I know deep down, but we hate to admit it. Jesus requires more of us. I think the campers give us a clue to why the sheep loved Christ even though they didn't know it was him. Perhaps the only difference between the sheep and the goats is the sheep had friends who were poor. The sheep simply lived on the wrong side of the tracks. The sheep lived in places like Nazareth, like West End. Because you see, when you, when you live in a poor neighborhood and, and, and your neighbor, well, her water gets shut off, well, you fill up a pitcher and you leave it on her stoop because, man, things are hard for her right now. And, and when three doors down on the right, the single mother, she's having to choose between feeding her kids and paying her bills, well, you put a little extra broth in your soup and you throw a little extra meat in there, it's not that hard. Oh, it'll make a big difference. When the woman across the street has no children and no health insurance and she falls sick, oh, you bring her in again, you put her down on the, on the couch and you nurse her back to help because there's nobody else to do it. You got to. When your aunt or your uncle or your friend goes to jail, you visit. You do. Because you love him. Perhaps the only difference between the sheep and the goats is the sheep simply had friends who were poor. Now, I'm convinced that the goats were good people. Good people. Went to church, tithed 10%, said yes ma'am and no sir. They even went to Sunday school, right? Which more of y'all should be going to Sunday school because I stayed in Sunday school hour, all right? The goats, they went. They simply stayed out of the wrong side of town. Remember? They scratched their heads. But Jesus, what are you talking about? We've been following the law. Jesus, when will we neglect you? Whenever you did it to the least of these in my family, you did it to me. Perhaps the most striking part of the parable 
is whom Jesus identifies with. He doesn't say, look at me, I'm a sheep. Go and love the poor the way I do. No. Jesus says, I am hungry. I am thirsty. I am sick. I am naked. I am in prison. I'm a criminal. So the imperative of the story is not to love the poor, to be like Christ. It's to know poor people so that you might know Christ. In the first chapter of John, when, when Philip is called by Jesus, he runs and gets Nathaniel. He says, Nathaniel, guess what? Jesus, the Messiah of Nazareth, is here. And Nathaniel says, wait, wait, wait. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Philip's response is, Nathaniel, come and see. Come, come and see. Jesus is over there. He's healing folks. He's preaching. He's changing the world. I can't bring him over here to you. He's busy. But, oh, come on. Come and see. Come and see. I wrestled with this parable for years, and it didn't click for me until 2015 when I was appointed to serve the Community Church Without Walls, which is the Methodist Church of Urban Ministry. In 2015, Caitlin and I moved into West End just one block from the Urban Ministry building. It was the first time in my life I had ever lived in a low income or a poor community. Within the first few months of me living in West End, I met more hungry people, thirsty people, sick people without health insurance. I visited people in jail for the first time. I did more of that in a few months than my entire life combined. I've lived in West End now for eight years. I have two sons now, a two-year-old and a five-year-old. And it has never been more clear to me that I am not bringing Jesus into West End. I am meeting him there. Ernestine Washington was a 68-year-old widow. She officially fostered 19 children and raised countless more. She lived in West End in a two bedroom, one bathroom house. On any given night, there'd be kids who had unstable homes sleeping on the floor, a few adults who, who were homeless on the couches. She loved everyone. The whole community called her Mama. Now, Ernestine loved cards. She loved cards, so I would go over to Ernestine's house and I'd play cards with her. There'd be folks hanging out in the house. One day, we were playing cards. She was hustling me like she always did. And in the middle of the game, she slapped the table and looked me deep in the eye and said, Pastor, do you know what I want more than anything in the world? And I said, Ernestine, what's that? She said, I want a bigger house. So more of these kids without a place to stay, more of these adults can have somewhere safe and dry to be. I know lots of people who want bigger houses. I know people who want multiple houses. Ernestine Washington is the only person I've ever met who wants a bigger house so more homeless folks can live in it. Can anything good come from that side of town? Urban ministry, we serve a lot of food. 
We have a, a pay-as-you-can cafe called the We Cafe. There's a culinary trained chef who cooks all the food. It's absolutely delicious. Young adults from the neighborhood who want to be cooks, we hire them and we teach them how to cook. When you come in, everybody pays what they can. It's a mix of people. There's a black metal box in the wall. What you pay is between you and God. Some people do 25 cents, and some people who can put a $100 bill in there. If you don't have any money, you can pick up a volunteer card, and it has different ways you can serve the community. Picking up trash, working in the food pantry, washing dishes, sweeping the floor. You can check how you're going to serve, sign your name on the back, and you can use that as your payment. Put it in the box. Pay as you can. If you're ever in Birmingham, it's Birmingham's best kept secret, and you'll be missing out if you don't come. And yes, there is a vegetarian option. The meat's good, but there's a vegetarian option. Now, we serve a lot of food. On Sundays, though, and sometimes on the weekend, when our chef is, is taken off for, the, for having her break, we serve food, and the community members cook the food for each other. Now, a few Sundays back, we were cooking for about 150, 100 people, and some community members came to cook and to help clean. Now, one of the perks of helping cook and clean is if you stay to the end, you get to take whatever leftovers we have home. Well, Mrs. Barnes wasn't going to miss out on that. She's 85 years old. She showed up early. She helped prep. She helped cook this and dice that. She helped serve the food. Afterwards, she helped clean up. Wipe down the table, sweep the floor. Miss Barnes and I were the last two people to leave this day. We were walking down. Urban Ministry has this long hallway. We were walking down the hall toward the exit, and she was talking about how thankful she was for this food. She had two to-go boxes in her hand that were filled full. She said, oh, Pastor, I'm so excited. I'm so thankful for this food. You know, I don't eat very much. This is going to last me a few days. Oh, heck, this might last me a couple weeks. I mean, if I save it and use it right, the Lord really does provide. He really does. If you just trust him, I didn't know what I was going to do. Well, she's talking all the way down the hall. I get to the door. I open up the door, and there's a man that appears to be homeless standing right there. And he says, hey, do y'all have any extra food? Well, I step in front of Miss Barnes and I say, now you listen here. You know what time we serve and you're two hours late. We don't have any extra food. You come back on time. You come back tomorrow and we'll get you something to eat. Before I finished speaking, somebody elbowed me in the ribs. It couldn't have been her. Who, 85-year-old put that much force behind a bow. Well, it was. She almost knocked me down. She handed out both of those to-go boxes and she said, here, baby, we have just enough for you. She smiled at me, and then she walked home because her family can't afford to have a car. Can anything good come from, from Nazareth, West End? Mary lives just three blocks from urban ministry. One Sunday, she started bringing a toddler, maybe a three-year-old, to church that wasn't her own. She told me that the girl's mother had fallen on hard times and asked her to watch her. And Mary said, you know what? I'll start taking that girl to church. Well, the first Sunday they came to church, the girl was very timid, disheveled, and quiet. She looked down at her feet, wouldn't make any eye contact, and she didn't say a word. But she sat through the service. We loved on her. Mary brought her back next week, the week after that, the week after that. 
after a few weeks, I started to worry. I started to think, man, can this baby speak? All the three-year-olds I know, I can't get them to be quiet. Well, one Sunday, she had this meltdown. This toddler just started screaming and kicking. Apparently, she knew every cuss word in the book. We loved her. We calmed her down. She came back the week after, next week, the following week. One Sunday, I was preaching. In the middle of the service, the girl's mother showed up unexpectedly. She kind of stood on the side of the church. She made eye contact with the girl, and she beckoned her with a finger. When the girl saw her mother, she lost it. She started screaming, don't make me go. She was knocking over chairs. She was clawing people next to her. She said, I don't want to go. I don't want to leave. Don't make me go. But the girl's mother has custody. We stopped the service. We gave her to her mother, and her mother carried her down the hall. Sunday after that, she came. She kept coming. She kept coming. Till one Sunday night after church, Mary called me crying. And she said, Pastor, I'm keeping her overnight tonight. And when I gave her a bath, I saw all these bruises on her little back. And a lot of them looked like hand marks. And I don't know what to do. Well, we cried, and we prayed, and we cried some more, and we talked, and we decided to call DHR. Well, DHR swooped in fast. They removed the child from the dangerous situation, but they also cut her off from everybody who loved her. We called the social worker. I called every week. Mary called every week. Can we see her? Can we talk to her? And they would say, no, no, we're doing an investigation. You cannot talk to the child. Call the next week. Please, can we see her? Where are you? We can't disclose where she is. We're doing an investigation. There's no contact at all. Can we please just talk to her? Will you tell tell her that we're praying for her? We got the same response over and over and over again. After six months of persistent calls, I gave up. I said a prayer. God, we're never going to see this child again, and I just have to trust that you're going to take care of her. And boy, do we miss her. But Mary? Mary didn't quit. She kept calling over and over and over and over again. After about a year and a half of persistent calls, the courts granted Mary custody of the child. I still remember the first day she brought her to church. She turned to the corner of that long hallway I was telling you about. She had a brand new pink dress on and her hair was made up in these two little poofy balls on top of her head. She sprinted down the hallway, jumped into my arms, wrapped her legs around me and said, Pastor Garrett, Pastor Garrett, do you like my hair? Do you like my dress? Do I look like a princess? She talked more in 20 seconds than I had heard her speak her entire life. And she said, Pastor Garrett, Pastor Garrett, this is important. I need to talk to your mom. I said, my mom? She said, yes. I said, you don't even know my mom. She said, now that's a problem, isn't it? (laughs) We walked down the hallway into my office. I dialed my mom, handed her the phone. She told my mom all about her day, all about her hair, all about her dress. I was getting time for the service, and so I said, all right, all right, hang up the phone, go in the sanctuary. The service is about to start. She hung up the phone. She left my office. I closed the door. And I broke down in tears. Because I felt called to full-time ministry since I was 12 years old. 
And this was the first time in my life I had experienced the resurrection. What was lost was found. What was mute could speak. What was dead was alive. Can anything good come from West End, from Nazareth? You gotta come and see. On the final day of judgment, the Son of Man will come in all of his glory and he will separate all of us as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left and then he'll look right at Mary. And he'll say, Mary, when I was sick, you cared for me. When I was thirsty, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was beaten, when I was abused, you took care of me. Mary, you never gave up on me. But unlike the people in the parable, she's heard it before. She won't scratch her head. She'll stand up tall. She'll look Jesus in the eye and she'll say, I know, Lord. I saw your face so clearly in my daughter every single day. Amen. Right now we're in the season of Lent. You have 40 days to find Jesus in the wilderness. And you know where he is. Thank you so much, Garrett. Our closing hymn is, is number 430. It's, O Master, Let Me Walk With Thee. And I have a feeling that we might walk with Jesus in some places that we didn't expect to walk if we really follow Jesus. Will you think about that and stand as we sing? 430.
Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.